fanficmedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts, Christiana Ellis, Chuch Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. Welcome, everybody, to Season 6 of Beyond the Wall. Tonight we're discussing Episode 8 of Game of Thrones, titled No One... With no spoilers past the currently aired episodes, I'm Chooch, and as always, I'm joined by Christiana. Hello! I have Nutty on. Hi, everyone! And unfortunately, we do not have Viv on tonight. She is uh, reporting in the field. Or... <laughs> I didn't come up with a witty byline. She, um, she's deep within a green dream. <laughs> mm. Um, so we had, um, episode eight and, uh, it looks like it was another, well, a lot of stuff happened, but it's still kind yeah. of a building, you know, the next episode is, uh, traditionally a big one, number nine, and it looks mm-hmm. like it will be a big giant battle. Um, but, uh, let's see, uh, news bits. Oh, um, there was a news bit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a news bit on our side for, for beyond the wall. <clears throat> there's a listener named Josh who had, um, fallen out of game of Thrones for a couple seasons and he's catching up and he was doing season five and he, as he's watching, binging <laughs> game of Thrones, he's listening to the podcast to catch up with how, you know, how we thought of things. And so it's probably going to take a while for him to get to this, but he found an <laughs> error in season five where I had, um, when iTunes did the whole dumped on us and I had to move everything around, I was tagging things by hand and I guess I had duplicated a post. So there was two episode threes instead of one was masquerading as four. But uh-huh. he pointed that out and I got it all fixed up. And so now he fixed it for everybody else. So thank you, Josh. Thanks. Whenever you get Josh, to this. Yay. <laughs> eventually. On the ball. Eagle eye. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what we'll... Uh, call them now is Eagle Eye. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing, let's see. Oh, um, for Game of Thrones, it's been announced. Well, the last titles for the last two episodes were announced. Um, and usually they don't, I don't think they usually do it is that far out. But they said that this uh, episode 10 is going to be the longest episode yet. And we know that a couple in this, they always vary by a few minutes plus minus, you know, but... Mm-hmm. Um, this one will be 69 minutes, which will be the longest episode. And, uh, uh, just a brief tangent on mm-hmm. that. Um, I, I learned that information from a, a quoted tweet where someone had quoted or, or had it basically the tweet was a screenshot. And mm-hmm. so, all right, this is complicated. So I need to say this in order. So, <laughs> The person whose tweet I read just said, oh, internet. And then the screenshot that was the rest of the tweet started with a tweet announcing that that it was going to be the longest at 69 minutes and then had like 25 reply tweets going, nice. Wow. <laughs> 69, dude. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, oh, internet. Yeah, so that's actually how I found out the, the news. There it is. 
Uh, this one was posted to io9. Um, give them some credit. <laughs> they need a little help right now. They're not. Their uh, parent company is in trouble. Oh, that's yeah. I was nice. going to say, are they one of the Gawkers? Yes, they are. Um, although my understanding is that at least the higher-profile Gawker sites like io9, like Kotaku, probably going to be fine if potentially under new ownership. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, yeah. Hard to say. It's <laughs> big, big news internet-wise, yes. not so big Game of Thrones-wise. Yes. <laughs> True. True that. <laughs> well... We're here to talk about Game of Thrones, so I say we jump into it. And I would like to jump in at King's Landing. Um, oh. Because, well, I kind of have beef, I guess you could say. Yeah. <laughs> we enter well. Cersei's chambers. King is invited as Faith Militant in for prayer. And uh, we immediately get what we've been waiting for is to see the mountain be really used as a weapon. Against Lancel. Um, oh, you know, I was doing sound clips earlier and I didn't grab her line, which is... It was uh, used in the previews, though, but when yeah. he says, have your man step aside or there will be violence, and she says, I choose violence. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty badass. Good. Yeah. I liked how all of the other <laughs> sparrows, as soon as he grabs, you know, starts lifting the guy up, they all shuffle over into yeah. single... Fighting mode. It looks like it's like kung fu movie. Like they're going to come at him one at a time, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you know, so is is this the part you had beef about, or or you have beef later? Later, yeah. Okay, um, this part, um, I agree. It was kind of nice to. I mean, we've seen the mountain kind of do little bits here and there, but this was certainly, uh, you know, uh, a striking example. Although I couldn't help like. When he just lets the one guy hit him and it pierces through the the, the chest piece, mm-hmm. my first thought was like, "It's pretty shitty armor." <laughs> um, I mean, you know, obviously the mountain can take it, which is the point here. But come on, that was right in the center of the chest piece, and it just went right through it like it was aluminum yeah. foil. And it's like, eh, okay. <laughs> but, um, at the same time, though, I I think that um, some of what's been happening in the last couple of episodes with relate uh, related to the faith militant is interesting because, like I said, there there's always been certainly sinister qualities to them, but I feel like there's definitely starting to be hands tipped towards not just idealistic fanatics who really do sincerely believe everything they're saying, but there being some real hypocrisy behind it, too. Mm. Um, And in particular, first of all, the idea that they back down, and then, of course, what they do later. Mm -hmm. It's just the idea is like, well, those are clearly decisions being made as a response to <laughs> to what's right. happening and not because uh, that, you know, it's like, why didn't the gods tell you to do that before? You know, why is this <laughs> happening right now? Um, and so in that case, um, the part of, while it was awesome and we can understand why it was very cathartic for Cersei to order this to happen, she kind of blew it because... 
<laughs> that was what tipped them off to say, oh, yeah, we, we, we need to figure something else out here because that's not going to work. Um, although I can't help but wonder, too, um, uh, Cersei says he promised me I could stay at the Red Keep, and then Lancel said he made no such promise, and that just made me think which of them is right there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't remember if that was in a conversation we viewed or not. I don't I, I think that, well, you know, maybe it's a, it's a, it's a interpretation thing because it might have been, like, confined to the Red Keep, which is not the same thing as saying you can't leave it if I want you to. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's also unclear why the why the High Sparrow would be calling her because she's probably, her instincts are right of something has changed or else he wouldn't be doing this. It's not time for my trial yet. Why would he call me there if he wasn't planning something? Yeah. And so refusing to go along is might have been the right instinct if unfortunate that her response uh, provoked a counter-response. Yeah. By you, Nettie, any... Pretty much the same thing. It was It was really great to see that scene, but at the same time, if that's what caused the whole, oh, well, no trial by combat, um, you know, it's it's kind of a waste. I I don't think that that's something that's going to happen in the books, but I can't say it's based on anything other than my feelings. Mm. It just, this, this feels like a show thing, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Basically, it's almost like they were listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got the definite, in, oh, Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I, I just I got the impression that they that um, it was certainly all planned, and this was getting her to come nicely was Plan A, and then Plan B is some show of force, um, which <clears throat> I think may come quite quickly. I mean, we, so we immediately go into this next. The next scene there is in the throne room where Cersei's escorted to the gallery. Um, and by the end of this conversation, I guess it's lucky she was escorted to the gallery and not, you know, to the sept. <laughs> I thought maybe that's where that would happen. Um, mm. Though, of course, the mountain was still there. But with the, mm-hmm. the King's Guard, I don't know. Um, so, yeah. this So this is where I have the beef. It's This is all what the fuck. Like, how did she lose control so fast and so thoroughly mm-hmm. and you know he immediately he won't look at her she's over there in the gallery trial starts on the first day of the festival of the mother thank you mm-hmm. and yeah. there's no more trial by combat because it's nasty and wicked and all this and I, this comes out of nowhere how i don't see him doing this well, this and and the more i think about it like why would mace tyrell say that's okay because lancel's still stuck there he's mm-hmm. got no defense whatsoever yeah so if Lance, lancel's kind of hanging on the thread of trial by combat um and why is kevin okay with this why I, is kevin okay i had that same question and was very frustrated with it especially just because I thought we, you know, like I was thinking, we had a scene where they specifically brought up a reminder that Lancel is Kevin's yeah. son. He Sorry, said I said Lancel before not, I meant Loras. Yeah, Loras. But, um, <laughs> but talking about Lancel, 
And so I agree. I, I, I had that some of those same reactions. But then what turned me around on it a little bit, which is not to say fully, because again, this is this is going to tie into a theme that I have kind of for the whole episode and really actually the season. But uh, for for the moment here, I think what it is simply is Cersei has burned all of her bridges so thoroughly that people are now determined to oppose her even against their own best interests. Oh, we've got a duplicate chooch in the Exciting. room. It's, um, um, but yeah, the so. Uh, to so basically, I think what it is is that Kevin, even though he does not like the Faith Militant, has basically decided to use them to rid himself of Cersei, who has been a pain in his ass. From the get-go, he has never liked her. She has always been in the way, and she is constantly causing problems. And honestly, as the uh, Queen of Thorns reminded us last week, this is all her fault. Right. So I can see why he's thinking, yes, we're going to have to do something about this, but maybe we can wait until after they get rid of Cersei for me. And so that's that's the best I can uh, I can think of. <laughs> Um, to explain it, but uh, yeah, they certainly they, they've made Kevin into such a cipher in this season. It's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess that's just feels like sloppy writing. I don't know if they'll dig their way around it or out of it, or mm-hmm. but it yeah. seems like this is all coming out of nowhere. And Kyburn's little birds have confirmed a rumor. Yeah. Um, so, I, again, like, this is complete speculation. We have no book knowledge to to inform us here. But my first thought when he said that was that it was the hidden stores of, of wildfire under the city. Oh. Um, and that was because I was uh, – we, we actually got – if we remember Brand's sort of vision um, earlier that seemed like it was kind of primed to remind us that that existed. Um, and if, like, the last episode pays off on giving us a flashback scene of that, which would be great, um, it could tie into something. And I can just imagine, if that's what it is, Imagine that Cersei's response to being unable to get out of this trial will be basically to burn the whole city down. Um, remember, Danny's vision way back when, her prophecy vision, saw the throne room right. ruined. It could, and so, yeah. that, so I, I have no idea if it was snow really or ash. Around, but, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's, like I said, just speculation, but that was the first thing that came to mind. Do, did you guys have any other so things? I think he has that... little, little kids scuttling through the catacombs under the, mm-hmm. <laughs> under the keep um, looking for wildfire. Well, the only thing that uh, was like maybe a, a strike against that theory was obviously Tyrion 
used a bunch of it in the Battle of Blackwater. Mm-hmm. But yeah. how how much did he use? How much was left? We really never got an inventory of that. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if they ever said anything about what amount was used, if there was any left. Yeah. I guess my mind took a literal route, like it would be some rumor about the High Sparrow that would, mm-hmm. you know, unseat him somehow. Mm-hmm. But then it would be her word against his, so... Um, just because uh, Paulette had a question on there in the Q&A and then pulled it away um, I I was going to come back to it but what she was saying about the previous scene was Mm. as to violence that scene was head and shoulders above the rest (laughs) (laughs) I love that (laughs) Um, sorry I didn't mean to sidetrack us but she took it away before I was able to come back to it like it so, um, yeah. did, Nutty, did you have any theories about about the uh, what, what the rumor? secret is? Um, no, <laughs> I, I kept thinking uh, the wildfire is a good theory. I kind of like it. Um, maybe it could have something to do with Varys returning, but I, I don't know. I have a hard time believing that. So mm. I don't know. Well. The idea of Varys returning is definitely something. There is a a tiny element of potential spoiler there because yeah, there there is something that happens in the books that could be tied to that. I don't know if that's what they're doing, but I will stay mum on that idea. If it does happen, I think it'll have a lot less impact in the show, though. Yeah, yeah. Although I. We can't explain why no. without. <laughs> um, it, it, it just deals with stuff that they haven't really addressed in the show is, is what yeah. we're getting at. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but so uh, there's a, a number of things that it could be, though, because to yeah. be sure, the, the season so far has reminded us about all that wildfire and the whole thing about the Mad King and what he was going to do. has reminded us about Varys's little birds working for Kyburn now. And, you know, just reminded us again about that. So it could be related to Varys. Or it could be something um, against the High Sparrow himself. Mm. Something that could make this whole empire come crumbling down. You know, if if they can pull out one of the foundations of what's keeping the High Sparrow and the Faith Militant together, that would be very good for them. But we've seen nothing to make us think that there's something like that. Yeah, it's uh, it could very well be a rumor about the the high sparrow or some sort of incriminating thing. The only thing that hit, okay, this is where I've, I'm of two minds about the show, and I'll I'll get into the broader theory in a moment. But so the reason that I I was thinking maybe that wouldn't be it was just because I was trying to imagine what possible thing they could find out that even if it was true would make a difference in this case because anyone who wants to try to come forward and say oh yeah I saw him secretly drowning puppies behind the sept uh, I mean like whatever it was I can't imagine it making any difference for Cersei you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like like no either no one would believe him or you know it's like he would 
stay true to his whole point of like, well, pff, I'm just a guy. Yeah. Everyone else. And if, if nothing else, I mean, he might be the one who is determined to make it be a trial instead of just, hey, lynch mob. Um, so I, I don't know, though. But, and so here's where I'll get into my kind of broader thing, which was kind of a, a realignment about my feelings on the show this whole season, which is I've had to take it down a notch in terms of the amount of benefit of the doubt I'm willing to give it. Mm-hmm. And while this show is this season has been very exciting in some ways, especially just with all the other new information, there's been a lot of really sloppy storytelling this season, and it's frustrating. And so I find myself frequently trying to come up with all of these explanations for why the thing that seems dumb might not be dumb. <laughs> but the show has proven several times already this season. Nope, it's probably just dumb. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, okay. I mean, I'm still loving the show. It's not that it's not that grand a, a realignment, but it's more of a oh yeah. Well, I guess this show is just going to be dumb sometimes now. Yeah. That's just um, which it's it's unfortunate because in some cases I think it's it's almost more a fault of the directing of certain scenes than it is the actual writing, but at the same time, I mean, you know, the t- still all on the showrunners, you know what I mean? It's like they're, you know, they're the ones <laughs> responsible ultimately. Yeah. It feels um, like they don't have, they're going at this breakneck pace. Mm-hmm. And I don't see why, because they're saying the other, you know, the next season's going to be shorter. Well, why yeah. don't you just make this like a regular season, you know? And yeah. the only thing yeah. I can think of is that they don't have as many, oh, wow moments that they get to dole out. Right. I mean, I but it's just increasingly the characters have had to either be stupid or out of character in order to allow what ha- happens to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's frustrating. Yep. And mm-hmm. so um, this particular scene was not so much the example except uh, just in the context of what I was saying about Kevin, mm-hmm. where... I'm looking at Kevin, and it's like you guys said. It's like, why is he acting like this? He should also be against the, the faith militant. Why is he letting them just do all of this without opposition, seeming like he's even in favor of it? Mm-hmm. So why is that? That seems dumb. And then, you know, I have this impulse from previous seasons to try to say, oh, well, here's maybe the secret cool reason why he's acting like that, and it's actually not dumb at all. I've had to kind of start stepping back and saying, no, it might just be dumb. <laughs> it might just be dumb. I have um, so many theories when it comes to the books, and I'm getting to the point where I need to remind myself that the show is not the books, and these theories aren't going to make sense with the show because yeah. they're, they don't go that deep. We're not going that deep on the show. Right. Well, and then there's there's also a couple of really substantial plot elements in the books that the show has just seemed to decide to omit entirely. And yeah. so maybe they will figure back in, or maybe it will turn out in the books that they don't actually amount to anything, but who knows? Who knows? Um, uh, Paulette says that she likes my theory about the rumor because of the line, much more. Yeah, yeah. 
that does seem like it could mean that the rumor was that there is stores of wildfire buried under the city, and he might be saying, not just stores, there's a lot. Right. Well, and let's not forget that Tyrion had the uh, pyromancers or whoever uh, making more yeah. in yeah. anticipation of the Battle of the Blackwater. So maybe nobody told them to stop? <laughs> maybe yeah. they've just continued to make it and been billing the, the crown, but the crown's not paying their yeah. debts and well, nobody it, noticed? <laughs> it also could be... This seems vaguely plausible, but I don't remember if I'm conflating things from the book or the show. Um, but it may have been, too, that there was so much of a, of it, but because it was old and kind of, you know, it was sort of sealed up, but in these old containers in, mm -hmm. in poorly maintained tunnels, that the idea might be, let's not disturb the old stuff if we don't have to. Right. Mm -hmm. let's, let's use the stuff that we can be reasonably sure we can use as directed without burning the whole city down and leave the rest of it sealed up. I don't know. Pretty nice. But uh but anyway, that's that's just a theory like I said. It's it's you know, it's based on things that we know but not that I don't know that that's the rumor they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything else in King's Landing? Um just Oh, I well, I want to talk about just the idea of revoking the the ability mm. to do trial by combat because that was actually something we talked about in, earlier in the season, right? Because I, you know, first of all, like I, I think I was making the point earlier in the season of just how, despite it being exciting in the context of the show, yeah, it's kind of just dumb in the sense of like it's the person who's stronger is going to win. Right. Um, and like, and so in theory, the whole idea is that the gods are going to make whoever is actually more worthy win. But like, that depends on whether or not you believe that the gods are really doing that. Mm -hmm. But the point is that what we what we said at the time was that it was this grand tradition of it, and it's a case of if. If it's there's this grand tradition of it, and if the whole point is that we really do believe that the gods will intervene and have the right person win, then what is the justification now for eliminating it? We can say it's a brutish thing. Mm. Well, uh, then again, I'm I'm taking this back again. Now that might be the reason why they had to have Tommen do it and not not right. the church. Hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I, 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 it seemed like a, like a big deal reversal, and I can't help but wonder if the rank and file uh, of their followers were actually going to be into it, because I would imagine that they're, they kind of like trial by combat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really didn't think about it that way, but it seems to kind of, kind of go away, go against the gods. It's. It's funny because it, it is definitely this idea that the gods will decide, yada, yada, yada. Um, and that's, we're, we're going to get into that when we get to the Riverlands because that's the whole conversation that uh, Beric and Sandor have. 
It's like, why did the gods let you beat me? Gods didn't let me beat you. I'm stronger. Like this, well, and this, and that one, it's the Lord of Light too. It's yeah, not even right. seven or the gods. Yeah, 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 the Lord. But it, it's it's this whole idea that people attribute things to faith. Yeah. Without thinking realistically, you know, they they have this idea that there's this hand in their life moving things around instead of what faith is supposed to be, and I'm doing the quotation marks, it's supposed to be that faith moves you and helps you make the right choices, but it's not an invisible hand, you know? Mm-hmm. It, 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 you are inspired to be a better person and to work towards a greater good, not that there is an invisible hand making you physically mm-hmm. stronger so you can win a fight. Like that's just it makes me think of the, the force. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, how that works. <laughs> I will actually just a brief, brief tangent. Uh, I read the novelization of Star Wars Episode Three, um, which reinforced my belief that the failings of the prequels are actually largely in the direction and not the actual storytelling. I mean, to extent the directing directly affects how we are told the story, but in terms of the broad ideas of what's happening, because the novelization of episode 3 is actually pretty great but uh, one of the ways that I really liked it was in the way that it depicted what it feels like to use the light side versus the dark side of the force mm-hmm. and and so the light side was very go with the flow force knows what to do give yourself over to it and it will guide your actions and do everything that's right Whereas the dark side is much more about, no, you're seizing the force and making it do what you want. And then that was actually the explanation for why the Jedi Council was so um, uh, deceived by Sidious is because they're all go with the flow, not realizing that the flow is being manipulated. Wow. That's cool. Actually, I liked episode three. I, I did too, but I would say that the novel fixes even the weaker parts of episode three. Cool. Yeah, but we had to a stronger part in uh, Bravos. Mm. We had some great scenes and some, some finalies. Yes. Um, well, uh, I, it, it wasn't in this episode, but it was this episode. Like we spent so much time last week with these theories of what was really happening with Arya in that scene, letting herself get stabbed, and because we didn't want it to just be dumb. Oh, right. And it yeah, turns yeah. out it was just it dumb. It was just dumb, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I suspect that we know now that she was acting like she was so open because I think she was trying to draw the waif out and hoping to draw her into a trap. But all the more reason then that she shouldn't have let this old lady get so close to her. So yeah. that's it's even dumber. Um, and so that might be an example, though, of direction fail rather than script fail, because the script could say Arya is confidently, you know, acting unaware in order to draw the waif out, but the waif manages to get close enough to her anyway and stab her and so on. But then the direction just makes it look like Arya's like, lum de dum de dum. Oh, hey, old lady. <laughs> no, I, you know, overstating it, of course. Yeah. But the point is just like. confirmation. It's like, nope, it was Arya. And she, of course, has plot armor, which is why she can survive 
three deep gut wounds followed by jumping into a canal, followed by, you know, walking through half the city. I, I think that, okay, so when we see the, the final confrontation between Arya and the waif, and she cut, she slices the candle, right? Mm -hmm. You see, ah, but now yeah. I'm blind, and I know how to fight blind. Yeah. Um, that brings us back to two episodes ago when she was preparing in that room mm -hmm. with that candle. Yes. So it really feels like after the fact that this was all a ruse, but we're not shown that it all was. So yeah. There's I no way know. getting stabbed that hard was part of the plan. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Not maybe to mention she, Lady Crane getting killed. Yeah, I don't think she planned for Lady Crane to having get killed. to. Yeah. So I, I think. Oh, sorry. I I, I don't mean to over. I think no, you're. I was just going to say that I think that she was making herself a target, and the waif got her harder than she had expected. Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's the explanation. It's still clumsy. My big problem is so many times I can come up with things like that, but the show didn't tell us that. Yeah, they didn't yeah. show it to us. And that makes me frustrated because it it should not – I don't need everything spelled out for me, and I'm okay with a little bit of wonder, but why should I have to keep filling in the gaps and thinking and, and, and filling all of this stuff in when it could have easily been done in the show? You know, And I yeah. don't feel like – I'm not sure my theories are right. It could just be that it was pure dumb luck, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I. What's frustrating is that the show this season in particular um, feels like it has gone. It it's kind of crossed a line as far as wanting to shock and surprise and dismay us with something that they're not actually prepared to really follow through on. And so it kind of ends up feeling awkward. And and what I mean as a key example of that is just how bad Arya's stabs were. Yeah. Because the thing is, we, we know that it is unlikely in the extreme that the show is going to kill off Arya. It's not impossible, I suppose, but I doubt it. I would have given it a less than 5% chance of that happening. Um, so if we know she's not going to die, but they go so... And, and not only do we... We, we know she's not going to die from the stab because she would have. Mm -hmm. You know, like it wouldn't make any sense to have... The stab, cliffhanger, come back next time, yep, now she's dying. And then she dies. And it's like, what? No. That's, no. No. Um, so, we know that's not going to happen. And yet, they want to try to inject tension anyway. Right. And so what they try to do it with is by making the stab look so bad but the problem is, they aren't going to kill her. And now, by trying to make by making the stab look so bad, it removes any suspension of disbelief that the stab that we see means anything, and it breaks the immersion 
Yeah. So basically what you're saying is the show is doing to us what the phrase we're doing with Edmure. Like they were threatening it. They, they, yeah. We knew they weren't gonna kill. You know, yeah. it was the yeah. No, that's time, yeah. Right. It said they were gonna kill Edmure, and it's the twentieth mm-hmm. time that they didn't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. so so that was. Uh, it, it's aggravating that that's the answer to Arya getting stabbed. Was oh nope, she just really did let the wave sneak up on her, even though. The most generous explanation is that she was trying to draw the waif out, which yeah. just makes it all the more dumb that she was taken off guard like that. Because it's one thing if they showed the wife, the, the waif just being super ultra badass Trixie about it. Or if, for example, let's say we showed Arya being super paranoid, super paranoid. Like, what if the way they had decided to do it was... Um, uh, we discover that, uh, um, like, late. So, in this episode, the wave kills Lady Crane, right? Mm-hmm. What if that was the way the wave got close to Arya? Was we we meet Lady Crane, and it seems like, oh, this is the one person that Arya wouldn't be suspicious of. Yeah. And then attacks, and they're like, what? Oh my gosh. And then it's, we realize, oh, the waif has already killed. Lady that would have been good. See, and I just feel like that's off the top of my head and doesn't actually fundamentally change the outcome of any of this, except that would have made more sense to me. Right. And so. that goes again <laughs> to the fact that the show just isn't going that deep. Like, I think the books yeah. would go into that depth, those those layers, Mm-hmm. But I think the show is so much more on the surface yeah. than what we're used to. And we keep trying to make it more complicated than it is. Yeah. So, anyway, um, some awesome stuff happened with Arya in this episode. So, I don't want to... Yeah. So, if I go ahead and I wall off my frustration with her letting herself get stabbed and the idea that stabs that severe would not lead to her dying in hours with nothing anybody could do about it. Um, so, I'm going to wall that off as frustration with a previous episode with only a tiny tinge of them trying to uh, hand wave that away by saying, oh yeah, Lady Crane has experience patching up holes right. from uh, <laughs> that she's put in people. Um, it's like, okay, sure, alright, fine. Plus, Milk of the Poppy. Milk of the Poppy makes everything better. Um, okay, but we, that that badass chase though, right? Parkour, parkour. <laughs> yeah. I love when she's falling down the stairs, and everybody's screaming, "My basket, my fruit!" You know, because I don't care. And that, that's one thing that I kind of love um, in the books and in the show, but. So many times, like when you're playing in a fantasy setting or you're reading about a fantasy setting, there's always this beggar girl or this beggar boy, and suddenly everybody wants to take care of them. But in this story, we see it through Arya's point of view. Nobody wants to take care of them. Nobody cares about them, and it's so much more realistic. Mm -hmm. And you've got this bloody girl falling down the stairs, and all anybody cares is, oh my gosh, you're ruining yeah. the things I'm trying to sell. How dare you get your blood on <laughs> <Yeah>. them? <laughs> leaning leaning over her to pick up the spilled fruit while she's lying there not moving. Exactly. And I just, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> Plus just, you know, uh, the wave totally channeling T-1000 oh, yeah. um, <laughs> in that whole sequence was pretty great. Uh, so, like, honestly, not, I kind of liked Lady Crane, so I wasn't, like, rooting for her to die. But basically everything from that scene forward was great, I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, actually, just as another brief tangent, um, there's a, uh, a, a Kotaku article that I retweeted just shortly before we started here that was talking about a, a glitch in the video game The Witcher 3. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it was actually saying how they had fixed it now, but they had documentation of what the glitch was like, which was basically just it caused this random highborn lady NPC to just follow you everywhere. <laughs> and you couldn't kill her, and you couldn't basically do anything to her, and just no matter where you went, she would just sprint after you. <laughs> and then when she got caught up with you, she would just clap and say, Long live the champion! <laughs> clap, clap, clap. <laughs> clap, clap, clap. Long live the champion! And then you try to run away, and she follows you. You get on your horse, she follows you. <laughs> try to blow her up, she's fine. Can't That's hurt her. Awesome. And and it was just kind of incredible. And so when I saw that, it made me think of the wave chasing Arya. <laughs> I um, uh, so this whole scene series of scenes uh, blows the theory out of the water that the wave is imaginary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and it blows the theory that the wave and Jacken are the same character or the same person. Yeah. Um, but those were fun theories while we had them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, the wave could still be imaginary. Jacquin could be imaginary, you know. This could all be something that happened in Arya's head, but I don't well, think so. There's also the uh, the long-lived uh, fan theory that Jacquin is Sirio, which has oh, never man. had any evidence for it except that people want it to be true. That's one thing I wanted to mention, by the way. As she walks away from him, I wanted him to just say, just so. <laughs> that would have made my fan heart so happy. Like I'm waiting for it, and I'm watching. I'm watching the the, the computer screen, and I'm going, just so, just so, just so. And he doesn't say it. I'm like, yeah. oh. I see. Honestly, as much as I love that idea too, and the show has not technically contradicted it. It's true. But this seemed to me like a pretty definitive conclusion to. Yeah. Arya's adventures with Jack and Hagar. Yeah. That whole arc, really, all the way back to when she was at Harrenhal. Yeah. You know, like, um, it that it felt like the end. And so I would be really surprised if we see Jack and again at all. Yeah. I, I will also say that, again, they were listening to us because when Lady Crane asks her, where do you want to go, what does right. she say? I know, right? <laughs> What's west of Westeros? Yeah, west Nobody of Westeros. Everybody knows. knows it's where the map stops, and I think mm -hmm. we spent like a half hour talking about that yeah. last week. <laughs> well, and it and it may still be that it it does go all the way around, and you would come around, but it might just be that that ocean is so big that nobody has successfully crossed it. Yeah. Right, because that's always my first question: is well, what's east of East Essos, and yeah. does mm -hmm. that make the world mm -hmm. Planetos? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, according to the uh, the uh, opening credits, it's the inside of a sphere. Oh, right, yes. Mm -hmm. It's a ring world. Um, wow. Paulette in Q&A says, Lady Crane got her awesome death scene on stage and a standing ovation, so of course she was marked for death. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Truth, we should have seen it coming. 
She was also Arya. Uh, she was also a main character's confidant for Dreams of the Future, which is also a bad sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I did see somewhere people were talking about uh, how already we have seen that the theater sub storyline has gone farther than the theater sub storyline of Deadwood. <laughs> there have been a lot of people comparing the two of them. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. I haven't finished Deadwood season three, but that doesn't give me much hope. <laughs> uh, well, like, uh, okay, now I'm now I'm yeah. tempted to spoil Deadwood, so uh, let's let's avoid that. I won't, but uh, yeah. So I'm cutting off that entire line of conversation, <laughs> like like cutting Lady Crane's throat. Oh. So- <laughs> So, you know, there was a lot of speculation on is Arya still Arya, blah, 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 and I think yeah. it was pretty clear mm-hmm. for a little, you know, for a bit, yes, she was, but she definitively, Jacqueline asks the question again. A girl is Arya Stark of Winterfell, and I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. Now, I this is where, despite the fact that I've been a little bit of a, a little bit critical uh, especially talking about this episode and about the season, this is this is a section where I've noticed a lot of fan criticism about this, in the sense of saying, "What? That's it? That's the end? That that's the resolution? We just wasted two seasons in Bravos with her, and that's this is the end? She didn't learn it, you know? She washes out of the School of Assassins, and that's it? And I'm feeling like, no." That's not what happened. If you're only looking at plot and not looking at character development, what we saw for Arya was, I've lost all my family. I have nothing left for me here. I don't believe in anything. I'm going across the sea to see if I can become this badass assassin. And then what we have her discover by investigating what it would mean to really leave behind who she was and become a badass assassin, she discovers by trying that that's not actually what she wants to do. And so she reaches the catharsis moment of saying, I thought that I had left Arya Stark behind in Westeros, but now I know that I really didn't. I never did, and I'm going to go back because that's where I belong. And she knows that now, in a way that she didn't when she got on that boat to Bravos, mm-hmm. and to my mind, that is a very satisfying character arc. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's—I'm surprised a little bit that people just like—they're mad that she didn't get a diploma from the School of yeah. Assassins. For <laughs> um, me, it's—it's it's the cheering moment that you know she isn't going to lose herself. She just got trained up, and now she's heading back home, right? And now she has all of those skills. To live on the she streets did. and, you know, and to, yeah. to uh, costuming and Blend. that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. She, she got the Batman training. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. really, this is what Bruce Wayne goes away and he gets all the training that he needs to come mm-hmm. back and be Batman. And so Arya is totally Batman. I'm very happy at that. When she sliced that candle, yeah, that to me was, okay, now we know why she had to be blind. Mm-hmm. And we know why she had to go through everything that she went through. And every single part of her story is not a side quest. Mm-hmm. It's part of what she needed for what's coming next. Yeah. Um, one just set dressing uh, 
quibble that's actually it's not even a criticism of the show it's probably more about me than anything else is that when they pan up and they reveal oh I guess that's the wave's face I can't tell you can't um, tell <laughs> like so I mean I I guessed just based on context what it was meant to be but mm -hmm. I was just looking at that and like is that I, maybe that's the wave's face? I mean, I don't know who else's it would be. It's sure not going to be Arya's. So. It, it kind of looks like it could be Arya's. It, it could be the wave's. I don't well, know. You know, like may, maybe that is actually the intent: is that yeah. we're not supposed to be sure until Arya shows up with the sword, saying, "You told her to kill me." Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I will say made me so happy, and actually was a huge part of my feeling of satisfaction was not even Arya's speech about saying who she is, although that's great. But Jacken is satisfied with her answer. He, and what it made it feel like to me is, it's, it's kind of like we've talked about in the past of like, well, what is the real intent of this training? Are you really supposed to be no one, or is the point that you learn to be good enough that others can't tell? So yeah. is it is it real, or is a is it about the deception? And so it's kind of gone back and forth in terms of what that really means. But to me, in this case, what it kind of reveals is that he kind of was always in her corner. Not to the extent that he wouldn't have let her get herself killed, but kind of he when he first met her back in Westeros, he saw something in her. Mm -hmm. And that was why, you know, like even though there was the whole thing of like, you know, you, you may give a man his own name, that, you know, I'll, I'll you know, give this coin to someone from Bravos and like that whole thing like he saw that she needed to decide what she was going to be and he put her in a situation to force that decision to make to be made he basically puts a choice in front of her and is just like you say you want to leave all that behind this is what that means and I'm not gonna pull the strings for you, I'm not going to make it easier on you, because that ultimately is not doing you any favors. Mm -hmm. Because you have to see what it really means to leave it behind like you think you want. And I think what you'll find is that that's not what you really want. And so when she reaches that point on her own, that's when he's like, yep, there's the girl that I met in Westeros. Hmm. My note mm -hmm. was Jockin recognizes game and gives her amnesty. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paulette says uh, she may not have the assassin's diploma, but she seems to have all the skills. She can fight and mix poisons in total darkness. She can remove a face from a corpse. She has worn a face, so she walks out of there more an adult than a child and deadly. Yes. I think that's true, but it's also... I I feel like what sent her to Bravos in the first place was a feeling of having lost what what does it even mean to be Arya Stark and like what it felt like at the time is she's got nothing left she's got no one left why shouldn't she go to 
to Bravos and start a whole new life because she's got nothing keeping her there is how she felt. And we were there with her even kind of at the time because it had just been one blow after another. But what we also know is John is still there. Sansa is still there. Bran is still there. There are, she does have family and they do need her help. And so the idea to have her go through the wilderness to discover, you know, it's, it's the hero's journey thing. It's mm -hmm. like to discover that home is where she really belongs after all. And it's, I, I found it immensely satisfying. And so even though I've been critical of other things related to the show, that's one where I definitely <laughs> want to disagree with some of the people who, are, who don't like that bit. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't get the hate. Um, so what are the odds she's going to be stumbling through the woods in Westeros and Nymeria is just going to come running up? Oh, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> now she found herself again. Yeah. I would love that, but I will also say that like my, my other broader criticism of the season is still in effect, and it seems very clear to me that the showrunners think it's funny to disappoint the book readers. Mm. And, you know, I kind of, I described it early in the season as deliberately trolling us. Right, right. Mm. Um, I feel like they are definitely still doing that. Um, yeah. the, there are some times, though, that they definitely are, like, treating the book readers. Like, every now and then yeah. they're like, eh, eh, look what we did there, eh. But, yes, they, they also like to troll us. <laughs> because yeah. they know that we like to get our hearts broken or we wouldn't continue reading these books. This yeah. is true. Um, uh, there's no place like Winterfell. Yeah. There's no place like Winterfell, <laughs> as says Paulette Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, speaking, I, I'm going to vote that we go to the Hound next um, okay. because it, it allows the continuation of the thought that Nutty was just expressing of are, the, are they trolling or treating the, the book readers. Mm, okay. Yeah. Because obviously we get a scene that was, you know, it, it was exciting enough, but I don't know if there's a lot to talk about, which is no. yeah. random brotherhood rogues doing their thing. And then Hound comes up on him with an ax and does his thing. Yeah. Um, I did like which, the line because it's the Hound and it's funny. Where's the other one? The one with the yellow cloak. Fuck you. Those are your last words. Fuck you. Come on, you can do better. Cunt! You're shit at dying, you know that? <laughs> no. <laughs> so it was great. Yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> but so then, you know, and we had this whole discussion last time of like, boy, these guys, you know, they, they, they seem like they're from the Brotherhood, but they don't, mm -hmm. they're not acting like we would expect the Brotherhood to act. Maybe that means that the Brotherhood could be under the influence of some mysterious new leader who's more, more brutal than before. Hmm. Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? Nope. It's no. Beric Dondarrion who is now executing them because they went off the reservation. And we're like... They were just and, and so, random I, bad boys. Yeah. So without getting into exactly what it was that the book readers expected to happen here, when Beric shows up, I, I could imagine that there was a collective groan from book readers all over the country of like, ah, what? What are you doing? <laughs> and see, I cheered. <laughs> I, now, I'm, 
See, that's where I I I feel that too, and that's where I feel like it's right down the middle of that line of trolling versus treating. Um, honestly, if they're just going to skip over this other story bit from the books, I'm honestly happy because I didn't especially like it in the books, and I would be just fine for it to not happen. I don't, but who knows? Maybe it's still going to happen, and they're just screwing us double now. So the bit that you think they're skipping over, uh, does it have to do with something that happens in an epilogue chapter in one of the books? Yes. Okay. Just um, making sure we're on the same page. No, L-S-H- no bells. Yeah. So, but technically, too. This is one of the biggest reader trolling elements, this whole storyline, because this was a discussion that back in season three I had with PG. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, and I think a couple of us probably had versions of this, but I remember in just walking through a parking lot just discussing our predict. It was after, you know, at Balticon or something like that, our predictions for the the finale of, I'm pretty sure, season three. And we're like, we're pretty sure it's going to be this, right? Yeah, we're pretty sure it's going to be that. And then that just never happened because that's when it would have happened following the books. Yeah. And so when it didn't happen and then continued to not happen, we're like, oh, I guess they're just skipping it. Okay, that's fine. All right, we're skipping it. We're moving it on. We're We're not doing anything with that. That's fine. But then over the course of this season, they start doing a lot of work to place all of these various characters in the exact spots that they were in in the books when this happened. And so it starts feeling like, no. No, not really. Not after all this time. Really? (laughs) And then Beric shows up, which basically deflates the whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, oh, okay. And I remember that (laughs) that was like one of the big disappointments that PG and I had. We're like, but we want LS. We want LS. And it's just not happening. And, and, And I remember us having a big conversation and not getting into spoilers and having to say, it's just not happening. We need to move on and yep. not discuss it on the podcast anymore. Yes. <laughs> and then the show just does this to us. This this. Yeah. It's yes. like, so again, honestly, I feel like I still don't want to talk about it because God only Who knows? knows what they're going to do at this point. Yeah. They yeah. are screwing with us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway. So from my perspective, um, I thought it was just <laughs> awfully convenient that they were just rogue elements, and now here they are. They got the bad guys, and ha-ha, we're together again, and you should come with us. So I just found this a sloppy writing again. It's just awfully convenient. Mm. Um, I or, or And my note here is <laughs> I, I, I think I just maybe I'm super cynical tonight because other things had bugged me already, so I was primed to be bugged because I love these characters, and I want to be with them. And I want to see more, but it just seems awfully convenient because they've been gone for so long. They just mm-hmm. totally disappeared. So, okay, so they're not really just brigands. So, But if they have been traveling this whole time, gathering gold and resources and raising an army for men, they should have the biggest fucking army in Westeros. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I cheered mostly because my Brotherhood Without Banners were restored. <laughs> Since it was a key part of my cosplay this year. Uh, it was very important <laughs> to me. <laughs> um, and I liked it because I feel like we have more of Barrick's character in this scene. Of the, you know, we got a little piece of him a couple seasons ago, and then here it's, yeah, these are my men, but they're not doing what I want. So I'm going to execute them, and I'm going to do it. No, you don't get to have your vengeance. Mm -hmm. Fine. Okay, you know what? We'll negotiate this. You can have your vengeance. But you don't, but you can only hang them. You don't get to have blood. It's like, one, okay, fine, two. You know, it's just like, I love the whole negotiation. Yeah, and just you can see how unsatisfying the hound found it, just kicking the stumps out from under him, and it's just like, oh, I guess he's still dead, but that just sucks. Yeah. And we get the Easter egg of uh, the hound per- saying he'd have preferred it if it were chicken that they were yeah. eating. So. Every 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 chicken in this room. Um. Anyway, uh, I. I actually kind of liked it. I mean, there's a little bit of coincidence in play, but what I liked about it is giving... Because we have to remember that, like, Hound was not buddies with these guys when Mm -hmm. we last parted, right? Like, he technically escaped their custody after after successfully killing their leader... Mm -hmm only to have him come back, and then escaping their custody with their high-value prisoner. Like, they did not part as friends before. But I love the idea that he still recognizes that these guys led by uh, Lemon Cloak, they don't don't call him that, but he has the yellow. Yeah. I don't know who it is. Um, He recognizes, like... Even though I didn't especially like the Brotherhood, these guys seem beyond the pale of what I understood the Brotherhood to be. So I'm suspicious, but I'm still going to go kill them and find out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets there and he it gives him this opportunity to see what the Brotherhood's current status is, namely still trying to do the right thing, but struggling through lack of having enough actual good men. And him being exactly psychologically primed to be receptive to this particular type of entreaty Mm -hmm. of you tried to leave the fight behind and how did that go? And so now the Hound is, you know, mentally speaking, emotionally speaking, he's between his dead friend Ray, who said, no violence ever, and Barrick saying, we've got to fight for what's right. And he's just he's just right there in the middle with these two guys on each shoulder. It's like, which one's the angel? Which one's the devil? Mm-hmm. Is, is Maybe that's not that simple. And I, I like all of that a lot, even if it did rely on a little bit of plot convenience of um, them happening to, uh, the you know, the brigands happening upon him and killing his friends so that he would go looking um, and all of that sort of thing. So, like, um, 
it is interesting too, just because it it does deflate another speculative theory about what people thought might happen, which was that they thought that if Cersei's trial by combat went ahead, that maybe you know Clegane Bowl right. is how yeah. people put yeah. it. Is that what if what if the Hound became the Fates? Um, choice for you know champion to go against the mountain that seems like it would have been dramatically satisfying but it also seems now like they're not doing that mm-hmm. so um, but I like I like where this leaves the hound because meeting Beric again just makes me remember that oh yeah kind of like he wasn't he wasn't perfect before but you know he is of all the various uh, shades of gray on this show, he was lighter than most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of nice. It seems like it's a good spot for the Hound to be right now. That's, so I kind of liked that element of it. But I will agree with you, um, not only the brigands, but also just him happening to walk up on them right as they're about to. It's like, oh, yeah, we've yeah. got them all strung up already, and they're standing on the stumps, but we just haven't kicked them away yet. <laughs> and that's just right when he walks up. Yeah, there's a little plot convenience there. I, I also like that, basically, the Hound mentions both Arya and Brienne mm-hmm. because he calls one of the guys uh, a woman, and he's like, stronger <laughs> or better women have tried to kill me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it just made me laugh because I'm like, oh, yeah, he's totally talking about Brienne. And he's talking about Arya as well. <laughs> yeah. um, Paulette says, also doesn't this set up a future reunion between the Hound and Brienne, only this time on the same side against the White Walkers? Yeah, mm-hmm. potentially. That could be fun. Mm-hmm. And we don't exactly know where he is. Um, it's awfully green. It could be near River Run. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the same general sort of part of the continent, yeah. but that, that's a big part of the continent, though. Yeah. I think if they're still hunting Freys, they're probably in the Riverland-ish area. Mm-hmm. So you know, they're 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 basically where Freys might be if that's indeed what they're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So now I I also mm-hmm. just think that same set of reunions though also could re, uh, reunite the Hound and Sansa. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I would wonder what the Hound would think of her now. Because she has changed. I mean, he's changed so much, but she's still going to think of him the same way. Yeah. But she's changed so much. What is he going to think of her? And Well, you know. I, I would imagine one of the first things that she'll she'll think, though, is even if she remembers that he was a scary guy and that's mm-hmm. why she made the decision she made back at the Blackwater, she had to have spent a lot of time regretting that decision that she made not to go with him. And so yeah. so to meet him again, my guess is that her first emotional thought would, would be to tell him, I should have gone with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, especially everything that she went through with Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean you know she's got to be thinking, why didn't I just go with him? Mm-hmm. And so, much, so much would have been different. That was one of the best what-ifs we talked about in our Balticon thing. Yeah, it was. And this is this is something that has nothing to do with this episode, but there's this whole thing in the books where when he asks her to go, he's all drunk and he's sloppy and all this other stuff. And in that chapter, there's no 
kissing or anything like that. But as the books go on, every time she remembers it, he gets closer and closer until she remembers him kiss, stealing a kiss before leaving. Hmm. And it goes to show how memory can, how your memories can change from fact. Yes, which is definitely and true. That's totally not in the show, but that's another reason why I would love to see a re reunion between the two of them because I would love to see how she remembers him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because will her memories in the show also change? Yeah, that'd be a crazy dinner table if you have <laughs> yeah. Sansa and Brienne and and Arya with the hound. Arya would feel very short. Let's head into River Run. Uh, Pod and Brienne have arrived. Yes. So we um, have a few a few greetings and meetings and catching yeah, up. Today. I was <laughs> I honestly had forgotten that Bronn and Pod had any kind of a relationship hmm. uh, until until I was reminded by them starting to talk like they knew each other and I was like, oh yeah, they totally did back when they were both kind of hanging out with Tyrion instead yeah. of Jamie. Um, <laughs> I heard the song in my head again. <laughs> but the the. So the uh, that was a fun little conversation of the of the two of them and that reunion that I had kind of honestly forgot that they they really had a relationship, but then it's like oh yeah, <laughs> and then he and he brought up uh, Pod's whole magic dick thing again, <laughs> and um, and it was just like oh yeah, that's some nice uh, little treat down memory lane here with some of uh, positive memories of things right. that's like, oh yeah, not every single thing that has happened on this show was horrible. So I I really loved uh what'd we call it? The uh broad? Broad <laughs> <Yes>. on. <laughs> um yeah, broad is as better. As soon as uh he grabbed him and, and and from behind and all that, uh I started drawing and uh for those of you in the live <laughs> chat you can actually see my doodles. Um, and I just I had to draw it, and so I spent like the rest of the episode finishing that drawing and watching. And I can't say that I've ever felt moved to do something like that during an episode that I'm actually drawing while watching. But I just had to, and it was this kind of chemistry, and it reminds you of you know a simpler time when they were hanging out with Tyrion and things weren't so bad, but we thought they were, you know. And uh, I I I loved the whole bit of you know. Uh, well, she's training me an hour in the morning and an hour at night. Yeah, and an old man like me can still sneak up on you and, <laughs> you know, just all that cute stuff. It was adorable. I love yeah. it. He's, he's, <laughs> Pod is the cutest thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and also, uh, it, it was kind of, Fun and in in keeping with uh, Bronn's character, that you know his reaction to uh, uh, Brienne and and in particular Brienne and Jamie of yeah. like, you know, observing first of all, it's like, you see the way they look at each other. I mean, come on, he um, ships them. Yeah, and he uh, ships them. and then also just like you know, recognizing that that Pod has, you know starts to retreat into this whole little, but. But surely not. No, never not Brienne. Um, and uh, um, but then he's bronze. Just like, what are you talking about? I would. You know? <laughs> like, are you telling me you've never thought about it? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Um, 
Um, but like that that whole scene was a lot of fun. Um, and then uh, you know j just as as we go into the tent and have um, Jamie and Brienne talking, it, it was just this great sort of both of them like lamenting that they find each other on opposite sides of this thing and. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Neither of them are like they're both in intractable positions. They they cannot budge from where they are. Neither of them can give the other what they want. Yep. And yet we see that they both wish that they could. They really don't want to fight each other. Yeah. And um this scene to me is like throwing it at the book readers. See? Here you go. We gave you something you wanted to see. You wanted to see the two of them reunited. Here you go. <laughs> and uh, it makes me think that, yes, the writers are also Jamie and Brienne shippers. Yeah. Everyone's a Jamie and Brienne shipper. <laughs> yeah, they're great. I get the um, impression they both know that she would kick his ass. Well, yeah. if they were going to if they were gonna fight hand-to-hand, -hand, but... <sighs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it's a bit like the line from last week where, you know, uh, Ron and Jamie are talking about potentially fighting against the blackfish and Jamie's like, he's an old man. And it's like, yeah, and you've got one hand. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. got money on the old man. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, if they were to fight, Brienne would mop up, mop the, the floor with him but that it's a little bit unfair in the sense that he does he does have only one hand and like it, we saw them fight back before he yeah. lost his hand right so I mean that was and she was very close to winning yeah it was it was so but at mm -hmm. the same time like I think it's very clear that they they don't want to fight oh yeah and that yeah. that's the overriding thing of them both just kind of Lamenting that they find themselves in this position, neither of them able to uh, give the other what they want, and yet both sad about that. And especially, you know, especially given Jamie had a fascinating episode uh, because we see him so sentimental with. Brienne, and in fact, telling her to keep this Valyrian steel sword mm. that she's trying to return to him, like that's that's the Jamie we love. And then his scene with Edmure is like, oh, that's the Jamie we maybe don't love so much. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and just having him really display both of those sides of himself. Although what I will say again is even though it doesn't seem to be making that much difference plot-wise in terms of events that happen, again, in the book, in this sequence, Jamie and Cersei had had a falling out. He was yeah. not eager to get back to her. He was pissed at her. Yeah. And so th this, the whole reasoning for him wanting to end the siege in order to get back to her is really interesting because in the books it was much more focused on how do we end the siege with the the least loss of life mm -hmm. 
I don't want to have to kill all these people to take the castle back. I want to take it back without having to kill people if I can. And that was his motivation, as opposed to, I just want to resolve this as quickly as possible. I don't want to wait through a siege because I want to get back to Cersei. It's, it's interesting because it doesn't necessarily change the plot that much, but it really changes the character motivation a lot. And I think that's interesting. And show Jamie is much more free with saying how much he loves his sister. Mm-hmm. Book Jamie. I mean, like the whole I love my sister. Yeah, you you may not understand, but I love her. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like I don't think we would see that from Book Jamie even at mm-hmm. this point. You know, I I don't think that he could just say that to somebody he didn't trust. Yeah. Although I will say, the turning of Edmure is something that I remember thinking through the books and been thinking through this whole season of why wouldn't you, you've got him, he's married, why wouldn't you try to turn him from the start? Right. Why wouldn't that be your goal from the get-go? Why would you keep him as a hostile prisoner? Because the phrase are dumb, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, pretty apparent. That, I mean, I... Higher estimation of the book phrase. Well, yeah, I, I so I... It, it seems so obvious in hindsight because essentially what Jamie can really just say is the blackfish is too stubborn. He's an old man who has already decided to die in this fight. He does not care how many of his men he takes down with him in fighting this lost cause. Um, Edmure, you do care. And I'm going to make it clear to you that you can either surrender and then maybe we'll find a way for you to not live in a prison cell mm-hmm. maybe we can find a way for your men provided they're willing to follow orders to not have to die and we can all get out of here or you can go back to your prison cell and we kill all your people yeah so that seems like a no-brainer to an extent you know it's it it, it it's certainly from Edmure's perspective yeah Mm-hmm. And I will say that this this turning of Edmure seems a bit more of a, a Tyrion thing mm-hmm. than a Jamie thing, but maybe Jamie's learned a bit from Tyrion or something. That's kind of how I took it. Is yeah. that Jamie is a little he's a little I hesitate to say wiser because it's kind of a still pretty shady, but more, more experienced. Kind of, he is. Um, able to think outside the box, think laterally instead of just assuming that you have to draw your sword on everything. Mm. Well, maybe one could say that when you don't want to draw your sword because you don't want people to see how inept you are, you are mm-hmm. forced yeah. to think of all other alternatives. Yep. So it's obviously disappointing to have the blackfish die off camera. Um, yeah, which means now he's really not dead. He'll show up. Well, yeah, I don't know. Because um, it was one of Jamie's Lannister guys that said he was dead, died fighting. So it wasn't like... But do we know that that's the Blackfish? Like, how do how does the Lannister guy know that the guy that he killed is I, actually the Blackfish? You know, I you know I I can understand conspiracy theorizing, but I think at this point this is another example of giving the show more benefit of the doubt than it 
really yeah. deserves. Mm -hmm. uh, because remember Stannis, we didn't see Stannis die That's either. True. Well, and, we did. Well, we saw him get finished off. But not we didn't see the body. We saw a sword swing and cut away. And in this case, what we saw is him basically say, I'm going to go have a sword fight now. I'm not even good at sword fights anymore. I am planning to die right yeah. now. I'm going to go do that. And then we get told that he did. So that seems to me like they didn't want to shoot an action scene with that actor. And, um, <laughs> um, and you know, so it, it's frustrating to have it happen off camera because it leads to this sort of speculation. But my theory is, yes, he is dead. There's not something mm -hmm. more to it. Mm. Which is, I mean, it's disappointing. I'm sad to have the blackfish go out, especially because I wanted to shake him by his stupid scaly shoulders and say, no, you asshole. Yeah. You this. know this is a lost cause, and just because you don't want to run again, you are going to deprive people could, who could use your help of that help just because you're too you're stubborn jerk? Yeah. that I, I was pissed at the Blackfish for not going with uh, Brienne. I, like, I, I, was, but I was really pissed too, yeah. Then yeah. When he says the exact same line that Theon says, You all serve Sansa far better than I ever could. Yeah, everybody keeps saying that, and if you all actually came together, maybe you'd all do something. <laughs> well, yeah. also, Brienne is not successfully serving Sansa very well at the moment because she is delivering neither the Blackfish's army or or him. Right. Yeah. Because she was unable to convince him to help, and so if he's so concerned about serving Sansa, he could have helped before. Yeah. yeah. And if if he had said something to make us think he still didn't trust her, I'd be more inclined to go with his decision. No, I'm not going with you because I still don't trust you. Well, I still think you're a Lannister plot. One of my favorite scenes in the episode, honestly, was when he is initially doubting in the sense of, look, I haven't seen Sansa since she was a kid. Mm -hmm. I don't know her signature. I don't know her writing. I don't know you. Why should and now you're telling me that I should surrender because my enemy is going to just let us go? Yeah, that's like I would be stupid to trust you in that. And then and then pointing out too is like, oh, and he just let you walk through the siege line with right. this plant, and, and you're you carrying a, a Lannister sword. <laughs> like like all he's pointing out all these extremely reasonable objections, um, and then yet she just says. Yes, I have this sword because Jamie did in fact keep his promise and sent me to serve Sansa and gave me this sword to do it and that's what I'm doing. So here read this letter. <laughs> and I and I thought that was great mm -hmm. because I totally bought that he has all sorts of reasons not to trust her and yet would anyway. Well, now, and I love the at least that she's sincere and she's telling the truth. Right. Yeah. I, I also love when he starts reading the letter, he goes, oh, my God, she's just like our mother. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was really cute. Like, he could just tell by the way she words things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is another cat. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I, I really liked that, and I wasn't as disappointed that he was still saying no because I could understand that where mm -hmm. he's kind of saying – like, I don't think I have enough men to make a difference there. 
but I maybe could make a difference here and you're asking me to give up something really meaningful to me to fight a lost cause I'm not prepared to do that even if I believe you that you're telling the truth and and I can like I get that even though it's disappointing but honestly him deciding to go face his death instead of coming with her I was yeah. pissed that was yeah. unacceptable like no I mean I buy it within the confines of the story but it makes me angry at the character it made me very angry yeah and I agree that I totally bought why he would deny the the request, mm-hmm. and I expected it, and I was happy about it actually, because you know that makes sense. Um, he's from his perspective, he's got two years worth of food. What were they gonna do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that's um, where Edward did caught, catch me off guard. What? Oh, he's actually I did I I didn't realize yeah. he was actually yeah. the Lord of Riveron, and he can just walk in. Right. It's it's been a long time since they addressed it in the show, but we have to remember that the blackfish is kind of it's like the black sheep, you know. Right. He was the member of the family who didn't want to follow, you know, orders or do the proper thing with lineage and everything, and so he was kind of persona non grata with the rest of the Tullys. Right. Except that Catelyn liked him cuz he's like favorite uncle and he's good with war. But well, as far as persona non grata with uh, Hoster Tully, yeah, uh, Catelyn's father, who was the Lord, yeah, and it was because he didn't want to get married, yeah. Um, and there we, I think we discussed it at the time that there's all sorts of speculation that you know maybe that's because he's gay. We he's gay. Know. He's totally gay. <laughs> <laughs> Never confirmed, but it does seem like a possible reason why he wouldn't have wanted to get married. Um. Although the show hasn't been shy about just going ahead and making that, you know, the subtext into text in other yeah, character cases. Right. But um uh but certainly to be sure he is not, you know, he is Lord Tully, but he is not the Lord of River Run. Yeah. That is definitely Edmure. He um, would become Lord if Edmure passed, if there were well and but, there wasn't an heir, but Edmure has an heir. Right. Yeah. So, really, honestly, Blackfish has no claim at all yeah. other than just being right that if you let Edmure in, he's going to surrender the castle, and yeah. he's right. But at the same time, there's kind of another point of saying, well, that is you kind of just officially making this a complete coup then, and we're just yeah. abandoning any kind of a pretense of succession. Um. You know, so like I, we can understand the position that his men were in. Um, Paulette asks, "What's the chance Jamie might send the Tullys north after all?" Well, I would say that depends a lot on um, whatever his deal with uh, Jamie was, mm-hmm. right? Because certainly, there's no way he would have agreed to it if it if not for the idea that his men would be safe. However, whatever that yeah. means. So they'll be roused from the keep or the castle. They right. have nowhere to go, basically. So Right. Well, I I would guess that what they would be told is what they need to do is any men that said they were loyal to the Tullys before are now loyal to the phrase. Yeah, right. bend the knee. That is the condition of your surrender. Just get absorbed um, and he can go home to his wife and child. But yeah. maybe if they're won't bow down to the Lannisters, they can take the black. Well, there's also the idea that despite it being like in principle, 
as a Lannister, Jaime should not be at all desiring um, overthrow of the Boltons as, in Winterfell, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, that would not be something that the Lannisters want as a family or a uh, force within Westeros. However, in his conversation with Brienne, where he is lamenting his ability to give her what she is looking for, she specifically was basically saying, I am here to get his men to go try to retake Winterfell to protect Sansa. And there could be an element of, I couldn't give her the Blackfish, I needed to take River Run back. Maybe I don't care where the Tullys go. Maybe. But I don't know who would lead them up there, so I don't I don't I, I honestly this is another example of giving the show more credit than I think it's honestly deserved. I bet you we <laughs> never hear anything again about what happened to the rest of the Tullys. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's just it's just story. They're, they're gonna go to Dorn. Yeah. Oh they're yeah. Go to Dorn. <laughs> that to me from now on will be where plots go to die. Right. Uh, <laughs> so from now on if I think we're not going to hear from anyone, they're just going to go to Dorne. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Wow. <sighs> so last up is Marine, likely to soon be abandoned. <laughs> Essos, I mean. Yeah. <clears throat> so we've got uh, some scenes that are fun and give a little info. Mm -hmm. The Red Priestess is screeching about Khaleesi, and as far as Tyrion's concerned, it's all going, you know, along to plan and we hear that Varys is heading out looking for ships and support. Yeah, secret mission. They don't secret tell us secret. what it is. Um, we talked to, we, we spoke briefly earlier in the episode when we were talking about uh, King's Landing, um, the idea that, uh, is it possible that that might be where he's going and then mm. therefore that's what Kyburn's little, Kyburn's little birds are telling him about. Um, that's possible. Um, it's hard to get too detailed about some of those theories because there is at least one book-supported possibility for what he might be planning to go do. Mm. Um, but it's hard to say whether you know the show might do that or it might have him do something completely different. So, well, I can um, tell you one thing: I don't think he'll be doing is I don't think he'll be looking up Littlefinger. <laughs> I yeah, they're not good buddies. No, no. Um, the honestly though at the same time he's got to be going to meet up with at least one other character we know i i just i can't imagine them trying to introduce some completely new plot thread at this point yeah this is a total crackpot off the wall theory but uh perhaps he's going to old town and he's going to meet up with maesters because maesters are everywhere. But mm -hmm. it doesn't look like Sam's actually going to Old Town to be a maester, but I don't know. Yeah. Also, I guess, I what, what would he want from the maesters? What do you think he might be able to get from them? Other than it would be neat to have him go to Old Town. I don't want to say too much because there is some spoilage, but um, just uh, the only seeds I will put there is there are maesters in every house. True. And uh, maesters are everywhere, and he needs to get the support of Westeros. And they control the ravens. That's the true. Way. In terms of wanting to be sure you could get a message to every house, regardless of forces that might want them intercepted. Yeah. 
I this is total conspiracy theory, but I would not be surprised if every raven that is sent by Maesters does not have a copy or does not get routed through Old Town. Because that's what I would do if I was in charge of the mail. (laughs) But they travel really fast in this world, so. I was just going to say, you know, I mean, we've talked already about the idea of the Westeros Twitter. Mm -hmm. But, um... They get the fire hose. I like that idea on one, in one sense, but I, I would guess that there is some magical element before I would guess that all ravens literally, like yeah, even that, when they're going from Winterfell to Castle Black, they have to go down to Old Town first. That's that's where the copy idea comes from. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that like the maesters <laughs> keep a stash of the copies and they send the carbon copies somewhere, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was uh, a little dismayed, honestly, though, to see Barris leaving just because I like him with mm-hmm. Tyrion so much. And so I, you know, whatever they have him doing, it better be good. Have him separate. <laughs> yep. Got to be important. Um, it's the next fun scene. Tyrion still mm. trying to get Missandei and Grey Worm drunk, and yeah, he actually <laughs> makes a really good argument. Yeah. Why don't you drink? Because it's, you know who made that rule? The former masters. It's a good mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. I loved that he he's he. he He's starting to win them over. Mm-hmm. He's doing his Tyrion thing with his charm. You know, we had the scene earlier this season where he's trying and failing with the small talk, but he's working his way in because he's he's smart. He is good at this. He's wearing them down. That scene was so fun. But my favorite Tyrion bit was actually when he's like he's after Missandei. He's like, "Come on, tell a joke," and then she just she kind of does this like. Like she thinks of something, but then doesn't say it, and he's like, oh, "No way, really!" <laughs> breakthrough, a breakthrough. You, you can see, you can see him have this reaction of like, oh, "You, you know one, you know one, you just thought of one." <laughs> you got a joke? You can tell it to me. It was so fun. I, and, I love that scene. And when Grey Worm actually tells the joke, oh my gosh, like that was so adorable. And seeing do, his his face light up, seeing her laugh. Yeah. And then he makes a joke or whatever. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I when Miss Cindy said she tried wine before and it made her feel funny, and he said that's what it's supposed to do. All I could think was, oh my god, she's gonna have a horrible allergic reaction. Like when she said yeah. she felt funny, it's because she's allergic, you know. And, and like shot. that's where my head went. But it was <laughs> it was just really funny because. Um, I do have a very bad reaction to coffee, and every time I somebody asks me about it, they're like, "That's what coffee's supposed to do." I'm like, "Yeah, no, not like this." <laughs> <laughs> so I just I had this like, "Oh God, what what? No, I don't want to lose Miss Cindy," and then and then it became joke hour, and I I just yeah. love that. Yeah, but of then course, we... all the action had to have uh, happen off screen. Yeah. Well, I also uh, this is, this is another example though in terms of the season long stuff of just sloppy storytelling which was mm-hmm. I'm going to make a deal with these wise masters and we seem to make a deal but oh no you can't trust them and now they're just attacking us out of nowhere. It's like what is going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that like none of that makes any sense. It's all for plot convenience and I'm irritated that none of that makes sense. 
What is it? Why are they attacking? Now, again, if we want to lean into it and squint, we can say, well, I guess that they saw the willingness to negotiate as a sign of weakness, and so they let them get their guard down, and now they think they can take it all together. But the show doesn't tell us any of that. No. You know, you have to lean into it and do the show's work for it. They attacked so that Daenerys could save them. Yeah, and clearly. why did we have Tyrion making deals and all the other stuff so that Peter Dinklage was doing something on mm -hmm. screen and everybody knows Peter Dinklage is everybody's favorite actor on this show. Mm -hmm. And that's the really boring answer. Yeah. And it's no, kind of frustrating. I, I, I think you're right. It was to give Tyrion yeah. something to do yeah. until Daenerys gets back. Um, I will say that I, while I liked Daenerys's look when she comes in, this sort of look like, what did you guys do with my city while I was gone? <laughs> um, you're like, you're just sitting here? There's a whole battle you going on outside? Those boats out there? Here? There's tons of boats out there. I don't know if you guys knew this. Um, Drogon flapping in the yeah. Um Ready to go eat some boats. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the same time that I loved that sort of reaction, I, I, I kind of spun out this whole conversation in my head between her and Tyrion of like, so wait, what did you do? You did all this? That's terrible. And he's like, you disappeared, and we did the best we could to preserve your legacy. Yeah. <laughs> we did a lot of stuff for you because you were not here, and we had no idea if you would ever come back. People have been asking so, some questions. <laughs> cut, cut us a little bit of slack here. You know, you did not exactly give us instructions when you left. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, Dario is out somewhere. Oh, wait, no, never mind. She knows where Dario is. Yeah. Oh right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but Tyrion and Missandei and Grey Worm don't know what became of Dario or Jorah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we get a, 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 another tease with the joke, with Tyrion's joke. More jokes. <laughs> I once walked into a brothel with a honeycomb and a jackass. The madam says, <laughs> "What? What yeah. did she say?" <laughs> <laughs> um, Paulette has a couple of Q&As where she, she says the ravens always bother me because they seem to go anywhere you want them to rather than returning home like carrier pigeons so Nutty's idea actually makes more sense um, certainly this is another example of the show just not having time to go into the details the way the book does which is to basically say the maesters have ravens like from all over that are basically specifically trained to do a certain route. And so if you want to send a raven to uh, Moat Kalen, you, you, you get the Moat Kalen raven. And, uh, and you put the message on that raven who knows that specific route. But, the, you know, like the show doesn't have time to get into that yeah. detail, so... And they probably also, patch yeah, them up they, for long hauls, and yeah. you know. Well, there's also all sorts of history too about the idea that it, there's theories that ravens actually used to be able to talk, and you would just yeah. tell them the message. Mm. Which is why um, the the raven or the crow that uh, uh, Lord Mormont had could talk and say corn and all of that other stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, snow um, crow. 
the mm-hmm. the ravens in the show feel a lot like the owls in Harry Potter, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Paulette also has, uh-oh, mom's home. Uh, <laughs> Tyrion, who gave you permission to have a party and burn my city? <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely. Like as soon as there was sound on the ceiling, I mean, I I knew exactly what it was going to turn out to be. But at the same time, they're they're absolutely the uh oh, mom's home was exactly the sort of feel when she comes in of like, mm-hmm. yeah, we we got a little bit of trouble. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> But again, it's like we also have to remember that it's not like everything was in great shape when Daenerys left. Truth. I mean, yeah. She specifically was fleeing an assassination attempt uh, <laughs> that that took the uh, you know the guy that she married hoping to bring peace was likewise killed in the attack that was supposed to take her too in the midst of all of these Sons of the Harpy attacks still ongoing, and then she flew away on a dragon. So mm-hmm. like it's not like everything was peaceful before. but of course she could also make the case but there wasn't an entire fleet of ships in the bay raining fire down upon the city (laughs) that's true that's true (laughs) I think that wraps the episode is there any any other anything we left out that's about Mm. it Mm. do you have ratings hmm ah I need. I need a second. <laughs> okay. Uh, for me, I'm. Uh, I've gone back and forth. Um, I. I think uh, begrudgingly, <laughs> I'm going to give this episode seven out of ten rods of plutonium. Ooh. Almost okay. six. I don't know. Seven though. I'm. I'm. I'm good with seven. Do you have one, Christiana? Um, I'm going to give it, um, I'll see. I, I, I can't do the fraction right. Cause I, um, <laughs> eight, eight out of 10 knowing smiles from a faceless man. <laughs> mm. Um, I wanted to do one of one, but I don't actually want to give it 10. <laughs> Point um, eight of one. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to give it a 7.8 out of 10 um, new pairs of boots for Sandor. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was pretty good. Man, yeah. I, I could not give it. Still I couldn't give it a uh, 7.5 because that's the lowest score that I've given this season. And um, I liked it better than uh, that one. So I, I had to bump it up just a bit, but I didn't want to give it a full eight. Mm-hmm. So um, that gives us a cumulative score of uh, 7.6. Yeah. And uh, next week's episode is called Battle of the Bastards. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be similar to the Blackwater episode where it looks like it will all focus on big showdown between uh, John and Ramsey, which, yay! Yeah, yeah, that's how it felt. Looks like just big ass battle. A lot of that's been spinning wheels the whole season. It's going to okay. be great. Do, do we want to do a death poll? Do do we all want to sit here and say, "Is Ramsey going to survive?" Hmm. I think oh, no. Man. I think this is the end for Ramsey. I really want him gone. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say he's dead. I really hope I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Chooch. I want him dead. Yes. 
We all want him dead. I yeah. don't think there's anybody who says, oh, can Creepy McFucko live? I want to see him torture some more mm. people. Yeah. Um, I am really intrigued because at least the preview makes it look like um, they're going to do a uh, trial by combat sort of writ large, the idea of like maybe our armies don't even need to fight. We just yeah, do a one-on-one. One-on-one. Which at the same time that it's a cool idea... It's just kind of like a, why would Ramsey ever agree to do that? Yeah, I, I don't see Ramsey agreeing to that because he's not as skilled at the whole one-on-one. He's he's more of a deceptive guy, attack yeah. of opportunity. So. Well, but then again, you know, John certainly knows his which buttons to push. And, mm-hmm. and you know, Ramsey does have his, his issues that he's hot-headed on. True. Um, but... And also, we have to remember that at least once before, we got teased with this idea um, between Jamie and Rob, right? Am I yep. remembering that right? Where um, they were, th- that challenge was issued, and at the time, Rob was like, "Why should I do that? You're a better fighter than me one on one, but I'm going to win with the army." So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes sense. I'm remembering that right, right? That happened. No, I think didn't right. It? That's when Jamie's yeah, okay. uh, right. held captive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so in any case, um, that's an interesting wrinkle and way. Or, but see, at the same time, the problem that I've always had anytime that concept comes up in fiction is that even if both sides agree and the fight happens. Why would the losing side ever just say, "Oh well, I guess yeah. we give up then"? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Paulette has a great uh, comment. Uh, it's cheaper than having a battle of thousands. True, although yeah. it looks like they already laid out the effects work. Um, yeah, there was some a of bunch the preview of stuff. Scenes. There's a lot of people. They're from Lord of the Rings is what it looked like to me. <laughs> okay, so Battle of the Bastards, can that mean that every bastard shows up? Can we mm. see Gendry again? Right. He's still rowing. He's still rowing. Circle. Yeah. It's one arm's bigger than the other. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Gendry again and not just mm-hmm. Podrick that I think is Gendry. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Arya will come across him floating back to... I know, yeah, on her way back to Westeros, it's like she'll out in the the middle of the ocean. You'll see Gendry, his beard's all grown. You know, he's wearing rags now, but his arms are just huge. It's like, what are you doing out here in the middle of the ocean? They said just to keep rowing. (laughs) I like it. Make it so. Yeah, I mean, did wouldn't we, it be great to see Arya and Gendry again? Oh, yeah. Did we have any feedback? No feedback and no new reviews. So, boo. Our, 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 our ending is, is easy. R, 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 Generally, the penultimate episode tends to be a really good one. So I'm yeah. My I'm prediction, forward. you know, we get the we get the big fight, um, you know, here akin to you know the the battle at Castle Black, akin to the Battle of the ba- Blackwater. I think we get that one focused episode next time, um, and then I got my fingers crossed for this. 
but um, I think episode 10 is Cersei's trial plus ma mass catastrophe of some kind. Um, plus catch up with Bran. Finally, flashbacks from Bran. Uh, they they had better pay off some of those flashbacks for Bran. If they don't do it in episode ten, I'm going to be ticked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I just hope we see more of the tower. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if they just tease it and just he'll he'll start to enter it and get pulled out. <laughs> well, if my theory about the rumor that Kyburn found it would really tie all that together because we could get a flashback from Bran about the Mad oh. King planning mm -hmm. to have all that, that wildfire under there that ties into us rem remembering why it's there, which if uh, I, I just, I love the idea of Cersei being willing to just burn the whole city to the ground yeah. in order to uh, <laughs> get out of this trial. It's pretty awesome. I could see her doing it. Yeah. I mean, it may well be that her plan is slightly more nuanced than that, but nonetheless leads to burning the whole city down. <laughs> Imagine then, the credits next year if if King's Landing is a smoking ruin in the oh opening man. credits. Oh. That would be all exciting. All those poor small folk, though. Like, that's the thing that I well, always think about yeah. when it comes... Like, all the other houses, they've got, you know, farmland around them and people in a village a little ways out, whereas... um. King's Landing is a city, mm -hmm. and it's there's so many small folk. Oh yeah. Oh no, lots of innocent people would be killed, but no, you know who cares about them really? It'd still, be pretty funny. <laughs> I care about them. And the they're so small, but they're so small. They're so small. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. That's gonna do it for us. Uh, everybody can tune in next Wednesday at eight p.m. And we'll do this again for episode nine and watch the, the bastards battle. Thanks die, Ramsey, die. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thanks so. for tuning in. We'll uh, see you next time. <laughs> if you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a comment on the website. Go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny BTW button that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it.